Welcome back to Dark Nexus. Tonight, it's Act 1, Chapter 23. All right, I'll get us recapped here in just a moment so we can pick back up in the action, but I want to start with one tiny little bit of housekeeping real quickly first. So guess what? I went back, did a little math, and the one good thing to come out of all this time off we had to take to help Gull and Dora led to something potentially positive. Grip, while you were hanging out all those days doing push-ups and keeping the rattlings away from Dora in the library, you had a lot of time on your hands to contemplate slashing weapons and maybe how they're not quite as terrifying as you've been telling yourself that they are. Oh. It appears as though it has been seven full days since you last took sanity damage. And that means under these slightly modified rules that we're using, you get a chance to make a will save to be cured. Shut up. And there's no consequence for failure here. If you do fail, you get to make a new attempt every day, but only as long as you don't take any further sanity damage. So my guess is this might be a limited window. I was going to say, well, probably not much more sanity damage to be found. Nope, not in it's this place. Surely we've seen everything, everything there is scary. to see. <laughs> so we'll hope for the best we... here. All right, this Can is a will save. Can we him in any way? Um, no, this is one of those okay, ongoing, overtime. ongoing things. This is a will save. Good vibes only. Ooh. Does a five do it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can you hypnotize him? Does a five ever <laughs> done it? Maybe slashing weapons are still pretty <laughs> bad. Yeah, you still feel the same about him. Uh, I thought maybe right. I did. But there's hope. But just uh, stay away from scary things for the day and you'll get another chance tomorrow. Okay, back to the game. So, last week we finally heard the sad tale of Oliver Zandalus and Eliege Lissandro. In brief, Zandalus was kidnapped 30 odd years ago by a cult of the King in Yellow, and he was exposed to horrors that broke his mind and haunted his dreams. Dr. Lissandro got the Chain of Knights from our friend Count Lowell's and attempted to use an occult ritual contained within it to rid Zandalus's mind of his endless nightmares, despite Briarstone's long-standing history of not ever exposing its patients to magic. On the afternoon of the 17th of Lamashan, Lissandro enacted the ritual, and it actually seemed to work. Zandalus's nightmares were extracted from him, like so much psychic gristle. However, something else was also dragged out of the dreaming. The Tatterman. But through a sheer act of will, in an effort to save everybody here, Zandalus stopped the Tatterman from fully emerging in the waking world. But now, Unfortunately, they are trapped together in a sick, sad partnership, sharing his body, with the Tatterman taking complete control whenever Zandalus's consciousness sleeps. In fact, the Tatterman seems to have the best of both worlds right now. He's running free in the dimension of dreams, murdering people as they sleep, and sometimes he's also running around free out here in the flesh, building a cult, creating apostles to the unspeakable one, like you do. So after Zandalus went to sleep on the 17th, the Tatterman took over. And that's when things really went to hell here. The Tatterman enacted the ritual from the Chain of Knights a second time that day. And this time, instead of simply drawing nightmares out, it tore open a literal portal to the plane of dreams inside Dr. Lissandro. 
turning her into an anirogen. Though apparently a broken one, the Tatterman was expecting the plainer dream stuff coming out of her body to spread like wildfire, but it didn't. And when he realized what he'd gotten wrong in the ritual, he told his goon squad to prep four volunteers in rooms with big open windows and that he'd get it right the next time. And then one of the last things we saw was that this second ritual, the one performed by the Tatterman, managed to touch the sleeping mind of whatever's resting underground here, the thing that broke Dora's brain. And it was this insanely huge creature simply shifting slightly in its sleep that caused the catastrophic earthquakes that have been plaguing the island. So, thank you for indulging me in the lengthy psychometry story time last week, but hopefully it's given you an idea of what you're facing in this final stretch of Act One here. We know our big bad now. We know his name. And we know that he's riding around inside the physical body of essentially an innocent victim. And we know that he was all set to make four more Oneirogens next to big open windows with the aim of propagating massive amounts of planar dream stuff onto this island. So we'll pick back up in the blood and mess of Dr. Lissandro's office after you freed the poor woman from the torture she'd been subjected to. Drops of freezing rain are clicking, clattering, and crystallizing on the giant cathedral windows. The six pieces of Zandalus's artwork that had been concealed by the fog are visible to you all now. Five charcoal sketches of a nightmare city, and one red painting of a Stella covered in occult symbols and a star with too many points. Gulls up on the second level balcony, still super sick. Ray and Grip are down on the floor in the middle of the mess, covered head to toe with blood. And Dora is back by the entrance door, distantly aware that when she fell asleep inside the fog cloud, uh, something happened in her dream space, and it seemed to have lit some sort of fire under Tima. But Dora can't quite piece together what happened in that dream. So my question to you, my friends, is what do you do? There are gigantic windows in this room somewhere, right? Those two big stretches on the north wall, and then this one big stretch on the west wall. Those are all two-story, 20-foot-tall windows. Okay, I'm going to climb down and then go over to one of them and pull down the curtain. And then uh, cut it up to use for rags. For, oh, sure. For for everybody to clean blood off themselves. Oh, excellent, excellent. There is plenty of fine fabrics uh, to use to mop up all of the blood. Is the blood still warm? And it's been there for, what, nine days now? Uh, more like, than does that. It, Gosh, it's it, two, two plus weeks. But it, does it... Does it seem like it's been sitting out that long, or does it seem like it just fell out of her body? I love the word that I think Katie used the word "freshly spilled" at some yeah. point. That's that's what it feels like. It's yeah. like you can still feel body heat in it. Uh, now now eat. it's cooling off. Now that she's dead, she's just like a sat. There's just like a flap of skin on the ground in the middle of all this. So her blood is also congealing. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for the ride, please. Here, here you go. Hey, and, thank uh, you. To Dora, here. Thank oh, you. she took a tumble too, didn't she? Yeah. So, and she cleans the fox. Oh, fox first. Great. He gives you another one. <laughs> Thank you. Here, here you go, Ray. Thank you, Gull. 
And then uh, he takes Dr. Lissandro's body and sort of drags her out of that Her skin of, suit? It's her, just a oh, it's sack just, of skin. It's just like the exterior of the epidermis. He's going he's gonna to wrap her up yeah. in, in some of this anyway. Fabric? Yeah. Yeah. So where we were headed before we stopped here for this little uh, sidebar was the smashed open hole to the east ward that Gull investigated heading out of the personal effects room. But we did also, you know, we had a couple other options if you wanted to head another way, but as I recall last time, uh, most of them involved going outside in some way, and that did not seem to be of interest to anybody. Or through the door of blood. Well, we can bypass the door of blood, can't we, by going through the wall? Yes, we can. The exposition that you just provided put together some pieces for me. Oh, yeah. Um, So, but I'm wondering about our, you know, where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. So, for clarification, in character, Ray is, like, wiping the gore off of his face. And um, he takes that um, phylactery, isn't it? Yeah off his head and stows it Hmm. and looks up at all of you with this blood streaked face congealing blood on his armor Um, he picks up his uh, crossbow that he dropped (laughs) it's just disgusting and and he looks at all of you well uh, were we next that's the idea, right? We're thinking that we were going to be... I don't think he actually thought he would find volunteers. He had his goons and stuff, though, so... Perhaps. But there were four of us. Were there four of you? There were five, aren't there? There were five, five. of us. And also... Perhaps they, he gave... The doppelgangers, one of us to play with. Or maybe he actually got the four volunteers, and that's why, you know, there's like dream stuff everywhere around us. It still oh. doesn't, too, we just still don't know why we are in uh, different bodies, why we are in ne- why we have amnesia. No, doesn't. But I do think that perhaps the earthquake may have interrupted his plan if if the piece of the ritual that he failed to do correctly involved four open windows open windows now mean something different than they did then don't they because of the fog outside and and if the fog so the fog outside that's not dream stuff like what perhaps Having now seen the very beginning of what happened to Dr. Lissandro, oh, it Dora was would understand, and it was yes, exactly, and that what out. first came out was what something that very closely resembled what you're now seeing outside the windows, except yeah. that it then so he transformed. Succeeded, yes. yeah. So we're like adrift in the realm of dreams. That could be possible. Adrift? In the, how can you even say that? What are you talking about? How can we be adrift in a dream? Well, the Tataman opened enough portals to flood this island with dream stuff and effectively transported us there. 
give me a sense motive check, Katie, for Dora based on the early part of this conversation. I'm just curious about something. 21. My brain's been clicking on you were discussing volunteers mm. early on. And this question of was he actually going to get volunteers or was he going to get, I use air quotes, volunteers. And as you reflect back on the way he asked that question, you know, he's pretty clear with his sneer and snark and uh, uh, sarcasm. He didn't have that on the No, it seems like he actually was asking them to find people to volunteer for a procedure. Okay. They all certainly were worth. eager enough to serve him. So Those, those ones certainly were. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what happened to poor Mr. Linway. And do you think... Did he ever get his raise? <laughs> I well, no, I he guess didn't the answer is no. Get to bring it even to, if he, no. even if he did, what would the he spend on it on? The woman on the second right, floor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it never made it there. Mm-hmm. This, this mercy that we just performed, <laughs> Ulver deserves mercy as well. If based on what you saw, he's not only innocent, he's. He's almost heroic for trying to do what he did after all those years of torture. Indeed. We have to save him. Ray. Yes. May I ask why you removed your... Is it a phylactery? Yes. It's... It's not useful. Not right now. Do you believe you're going to have to do something that... Shailen wouldn't approve of. I don't know. It 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 feels silly, and it's it's just not doing anything for me right now. So I don't. I just don't need to wear it. It's distracting. Obviously, it's your choice. Yes. What were they doing for you before? Nothing. Hmm. You understand that you must do something wrong for it to even activate. Uh, I, I understand, and I appreciate your concern, but I'm not gonna wear it right now. Give the kid a break. I'm just curious. Stroking Fox. I don't know why he wouldn't say it. Maybe he's come to realize that it's probably time for him to kill himself as well. Don't you think so, Dora? I think it would be a relief if we all came to understand yes. the futility of our own existence. Yes, what was that? Sorry? Dora, you went away for a second. What are you saying to that thing? Well, that's between me and Reynard, isn't it? The fox yips. All right, all right. Shall we go through the hole in the wall? Can I fit through the hole in the wall? It'd be a squeeze, but you could, yes. All right. Is there any sense motive we could do on Reynard? On Reynard? <laughs> Yeah, what do you want to, what really do you, what are you I just, I just want to, I want to get a sense of uh, the level of intelligence of this animal. Like, it yeah. seems to be responsive to her. She's far smarter than I am. Yeah. Oh, do we already figure that the, out? When she did the, uh, was it Detect Thoughts? Oh, uh, right. We learned that the, the fox has an intelligence of 12. But did she let us know that? I've been telling you that the whole time. Right, but. Let's assume, because she has, Katie's been very clear about whenever she does any of this stuff, she says it out loud. Let's assume we know that. Okay. I don't know how that would be communicated I mean, in would, the reality of the she game. She would have but said, Reynard himself has an above-average intelligence. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, give me a sense motive check, Paul. I'm, I'm interested in... It's not very good okay. anyway. Yeah, that's a 12. It can't, it can't be that hard. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... So, Ray's experience would not be necessarily a cohesive exchange of information happening between the animal and its carer. <laughs> However, every time it does, yep, it does seem to be attempting to communicate. Wow. So is there is some sort of exchange going on. Something's, something's going on with is this above-average intelligent creature. Is that normal? That this fox has an intelligence of 12? Knowledge nature? Sure. I'm going to use my light-up dice. <laughs> nope. Two. Fifteen? It's so wildly unusual that the only time you've ever heard of such a thing is from, as I think Gull maybe proposed initially, like, maybe it could have be or have been somebody's familiar, but animals, intelligence of one or two. This, this fox is smarter than uh, some of the characters at the table. You can say it. I know, we know who you're talking about, you fuck. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> All right. Thank when you. when uh, Reynard is speaking to me, yeah, I, I know that I understand it perfectly yeah. well. Is the fox making noise, or is no. it only in response to when I say his name? No. Whenever I whenever I speak English words and whisper and Reynard talking, he's not moving his mouth or making fox sounds. Uh, Dora just we're under- speaking telepathically. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're so in sync yeah. about the futility of existence that you can understand his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And he's really the only one that can understand mine. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he has seen what you have seen. Yeah. When you respond to the words that we hear, that we, the players hear Rob saying, are you saying that out loud? Or yes. Is, okay. <laughs> yes. So I did hear you talk about the futility of life. We talked about that the other day with Tolman, don't you remember? Uh. Just yeah, is that was that <laughs> was, was that your fucking takeaway from that session? <laughs> That's not what he was trying to tell you. He wasn't telling you it's all fucking futile. No, Tillman doesn't tell me things. We have a lively spirited debate about them. And it's true. It is true. Uh, Alright, yeah. I find it very interesting. Okay. Oh, alright. Um, you know, things like that are hard to come by right now, so. I appreciate it and take it where I can get it. That's fair, I suppose. It doesn't affect the fact that we've decided to go and try to find some medicine for these children and for Mr. Loek, so we could just be about it, if that's what we're going to do. And if Ray doesn't want to wear his phylactery, that's his business. Also true. All right, we're in agreement. <laughs> Gulliver has sat down mm-hmm. uh, because he is tired and sick and he's kind of like looking around at everybody and he glances at the window and he sees his reflection again in the window and sees the triangles on his face and stuff and sort of starts to get lost and then kind of shakes himself out and looks again at everybody how injured is everybody are people like down i'm only down three hit points yeah i'm fine okay i'm not down at all gulliver starts to like looks around at everybody like are we gonna go somewhere and starts to slowly like gather his kit of this and his kit of that and so he throws it on his back and stuff and gets himself all ready with all of his gear and stuff and starts to trudge slowly towards the door. Gulliver, I've been thinking 
I know that our um, blood reading the other day didn't go very well, and you expressed a desire not to do it again, which I completely respect and understand, but, you know, there are other things if you're still curious about that body you're wearing. Other things might um, help. Like, like what? Well, like your alchemical torch. Perhaps it wasn't yours. Perhaps it belonged to that body. Hmm. We had some success with Grip's badge and Ray's mace. There's also the books. Yeah. Yeah. Just something to think about. Can't do it today, of course. Yeah, Perhaps no. if we all survive until tomorrow, that's something to consider. Uh, see, now there is something to look forward to, isn't there? Don't a reason for living. That's right. Hey, uh, uh, sure. Go over there. You, it looks a bit like you're struggling with all your shite. Would it be helpful to you to carry the handy haversack? Would that make your load lighter and easier for you to finagle all your whatchamacallits? Oh, yeah. That, that'd be real helpful. All right. Well, here, you take this fucking thing, then. I'm tired of carrying it anyway. A colossal help. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks, thanks, Chris. Sorry, it seems weird to offer to help him by giving him something to carry, but I suppose that's... <laughs> I would never put you in there, no. <laughs> Doesn't matter what's happening. Gulliver, like, has to stop for, like, two to three minutes to put yeah, all, all the shit the that he's been carrying Can into this handy ever sack. Dora offers one hand. <laughs> Gulliver just gives you a little side eye. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge... So that's, like, basically the haversack itself, no matter how much is in it, weighs the same or less than just one of his existing toolkits. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a huge I mean, deal. Yeah, I've got, I've got, like, three or four different kits that each weigh, like, five pounds or it's something. Nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. All I have is gear. So all of a sudden, I'm, like... <laughs> Extremely light. Yeah. He's, he, and he still, like, stands up very... Are you super low very, strength? Are you... Just a 10, but, I mean, at, at a certain point, when you're carrying... I mean... No, I, no, no. It was a, yeah, it was a lot it. of gear. Yeah, yeah he, he has, like, three classes worth of... That's one of the right. things about these hybrid classes. Right. Like, he's carrying thieves' <laughs> tools, alchemist <laughs> tools, gunslingers' tools. Yeah, I had <laughs> yeah, a bunch of different kits. He's tools. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now he's got a utility haversack. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. that's good. All right, so do we want to head back down to personal effects storage and uh, check out that hole to the faceless murdered woman? Gull, Gull yes. stops for a second goes, Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could... I haven't done all my extract yet today, so I could, uh, I could mix up one more where I could, you know, scout ahead again. Or at least just peek and then come right back. If everybody thinks that would be youthful. Gulliver, I don't want you to do anything reckless or dangerous. I, I think we're a little bit too late for that. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, if... <laughs> I, got, I got a kick out of that. I'm, I, uh, that, uh, that hit my funny bone. My ear counts. Gulliver is just kind of like looking around like we're... Like we're <laughs> There's not really. Any, like, we can't not do wedding covered yeah. in tumors. <laughs> like no matter what we do, we're going to be doing something dangerous. <laughs> the fox looks up at Dora and shakes his head. I nod at the fox. <laughs> yep. 
That might be a good idea since it looks like it's a wee hole we're going to have to go through one at a time. All right. He takes, he takes a quick minute and uh, mixes up his fourth extract and uh, drinks it right before we get up to the thing. Um, while you're doing that, Dora uh, casts a spell. Oh, what does Dora cast? Dora conjures to mind the image of uh, a suit of armor. It's on a stand in that mansion. It's, uh, it doesn't look like much, it looks pretty old, but it's sort of on a balcony um, that sits over two staircases that wind down to the floor below. It sits in the middle of that balcony under like a portrait or something. And um, as she conjures that image, it begins to glow and then disappears as Dora begins to glow very briefly and then something settles into her. She has just cast mage armor on nice. herself with a feeling of resolve. Let me uh, let me correct part of your image. Oh yeah, there please is, do. Well, there is only a single staircase where you're picturing this. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. 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 Never improvise. No. No, no, always improvising. <laughs> we are the thing improvising. That's, the thing that's amazing is you're, you are... And I'm getting it without you telling me. You're consistently <laughs> improvising look, uh, descriptions that are so almost exactly where <laughs> these would have been, and you don't even know where it is. I'm a psychic. Yep, it's fun. Mage armor! Dora has an armor yeah. class! Dora has an armor what, class! What's your AC now? My AC is now 16. Oh my gosh. Nothing to scoff at. That's, that's only one worse than mine. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So we make our way back down that narrow, low-ceilinged hallway that connects Dr. Lissandra's office to the records and the personal effects storage. Uh, we're going to bypass the room that leads to the Pit of Doom with the giant worm-like creature that drove Dora mad. Back in the personal uh, effects storage, filled with all of the giant shelves covered in personal knickknacks and belongings, and then this bashed-out hole on the wall, on this eastern wall, that had been exploded out from the east. Can I get a relative idea of what time it is, just because this is like a three-hour spell and... Oh yeah, I would like to keep track somewhat. Let's let's even if call, it's like mid morning or whatever. Yeah, let's yeah. let's call this nine o'clock as far as you know. Nine a.m. as far ish. as you know. Oh wait, <laughs> hang on. The psychometry involved watching. Yeah, like twenty minutes of. Oh, and, and in the case of the second vision, a full hour of incantation. Let's call ten thirty in the morning. Great. As far as you know, to you. To yeah. your relative existence. So when I feel like it's 1.30 in the afternoon, then, the spell will run out. Okay, great. <laughs> or so I die. We've got this hole that's been bashed into the room with looked like uh, gardening tools, essentially gardening shovels and stuff. Uh, Gull has already crept through there to find kind of a smashed up, banged up storage room beyond where there's this body of a faceless... I dragged the body out. Oh, right. That's, so the body is out. So there is... Now just uh, refuse and knocked down supplies on uh, linens and stuff in there. And, uh, Should we um, try to detect magical psychic significance through the hole before you go? We have we done that. Done we have done that. That is actually what led us to the magic items that were on uh. that orderly's body. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and drink my extract. I've got three minutes, and I'm going to start uh, sneaking in. 
making perception checks and perhaps, sneaking. Uh, perhaps you could um, offer him a, just a bit of guidance, Ray. Good, good luck there, Gull. You got this. <laughs> so this storage room beyond is 15 feet by 10 feet. It is big enough for the whole party to go in there if you all wanted to have that be the place that you wait for Gull. Or would you all rather wait on the other side of this very tiny hole that Grip will have to squeeze through uh, while Gull goes to explore? I'm keen to see somewhere new. Yes, (laughs) agreed. It's been dead. It's been so long. (laughs) So we're going to creep our way into this smashed up closet and then wait there as Gull opens the door. Mm -hmm. Great. Let me uh, me expose a little more of the map here. Gull, you know, we should, according to Nace's map, we should be heading toward the day room. Okay. Perception and stealth. Uh, Let's see, that is a... Perception. It's 12 or a 13 for traps. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to add uh, my awesome guidance to my uh, stealth. So it's going to be a 23 plus another 4 from the spell, 27. That's your stealth. That's my stealth. That's great. Okay, so Gull very quietly, so quietly that the rest of you, you know, near him in this room can't even hear it, edges this door open. You're all hit uh, with, you're all hit with the sound of a, of a high-pitched hollow wind. It sounds very distant. And you are all hit, though go a little more strongly, with a really intense coppery smell. Blood. Exactly. Robert, why don't you lift that up there? As you peer through this door, Gull, you get sight of, what did uh, did Nasa call it? She called it the day room, is that right? Yeah. Uh, A very large room filled with worn old chairs and small tables. There's like the scattered remains of simple board games and card games all over this room. Uh, across the way on the eastern wall there's sort of a, a turret like uh, out jut of this room all of the walls in this 50 foot stretch of this room have these giant two-story cathedral windows you see the yellow fog beyond the crystallizing rain splashing against it sofas all over the place uh, uh, one sofa in particular is set right in front of this bay of windows looking outside <laughs> And you all are eyeing, eyeing what I have drawn in red marker on the map. I'm going to get to that in a second. <laughs> on, fucking river of uh, <laughs> Yes. On the north wall, right to your left there, Gull, you see a set of double doors going north. Further along the north wall, further to the east, you see what looks like a serving hatch cut into that wall. So like around chest height, a low window where people could pass maybe food or medicine or something from one room to another. Like a pharmacy. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you look to your right, to the south, you see a long hall stretching into darkness about 10 feet wide. You don't have a great view of that because of what's blocking your vision. (laughs) All the way across the room, in a wheelchair, right in front of that eastern wall, this huge bay of windows, you see a humanoid figure slouched, slouched in a wheelchair and pouring, 
in a continuous torrent out the bottom, the sides, the back, and the top of this wheelchair is a roaring river of blood that is falling 80 feet to the west as though east were up and west were down. Five feet wide, five feet deep, five feet tall, river of blood racing at breakneck speed in a 75 foot line bisecting this room basically north from south from the back of this person in this wheelchair. How high is uh, it? From floor height to about five foot tall. So it's about basically the height of a person. And it is raging and churning reeks of copper. And uh, there's also this distant sense of a hollow wind. And you, as you now have your head kind of into the room, Gull, you can sense that that wind sound is probably echoing up what must be a very long north-south hallway that you would just see the, the beginnings of mm-hmm. to, your, to your right mm-hmm. there. As you, with that perception check, you don't hear or see anything else. In fact, it's uh, a sign from the hollow wind and the river of blood. It's eerily quiet in this So area. there's a person in this wheelchair? You see the back of a person kind of slouched over, like slumped in this wheelchair. Do I notice anything on the ground in terms of like bloody footprints of people having walked through the river of blood? Do there appear to be anything like wheelchair marks where the wheelchair has been moved so that the river of blood be, gets moved with it, anything like that? No, no. Scattered board games, cards, that kind of stuff, but you don't see any bloody footprints. You don't see any visual evidence that the wheelchair has been moved while blood was involved. So, so in other words, the acolytes in Orpiment that we fought already and killed, who we, we assumed broke through this wall, somehow got through there or were already there before this river of blood appeared because they weren't they didn't have bloody feet there's no bloody footsteps coming through there's nothing but they could have come so from the y- yes to what yeah. you're saying they did not have bloody feet they had no evidence of going through a river of blood okay there are two ways to the north that would that they could have come from that mm-hmm. wouldn't have allowed them to that wouldn't have forced them to pass through the blood also a person could if they wanted to climb over the wheelchair over on the east wall and maybe not touch the blood and get around it that way cool yeah cool Th- this could is yeah this is push the wheelchair all the way back towards the door and hard to say <laughs> Don't you want know. to try to push it uh, so then gull is going to sneak over to the uh, open window yes and try to peek in there so he is moving at half speed and and blending into the environment. You creep along that north side of this room, and there's just enough light coming through the yellow glow of these windows that you're able to see just enough ahead of you that you can you can move through here. You get to this, this little service window, and as you get to the edge of it and poke your head up the top, beyond it you see what looks like a a ransacked pharmacy. Just shelf after shelf after shelf that had once contained presumably medicines, medical supplies and all that. It is a shambles of broken glass, missing stuff, bottles all over the place. And slumped against the north wall of this room, about 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 and 30 feet away from you, you see three apostles in orbiment. One man, two women, all wearing the yellow bed sheets, all with the flame chalked on their foreheads, 
they're all loosely holding their versions of the improvised club. So mm -hmm. table legs, chunks of wood, uh, one of them probably this, a big stone or something. And they are like leaning against the wall in a clearly drugged out haze. Uh, they look as if they haven't eaten in several days. They're like red eyed, kind of giggling to themselves and just staring off in the space. They don't uh, notice you poking your head up in that little window. Inside that room, there is one more door. Right through the window, there's one door that goes to the west, so on your left there. I am going to go back and uh, check the door, the double doors to the north. The ones immediately outside that storage room where the mm -hmm. party is. Great. Give me a perception check. Ooh, nice. It's going to be a 24 or a 25 for traps. The door does not seem to be trapped or locked, though it is securely shut. Um, you've been passing some doors that have been kind of like loosely left open. These doors were very definitely shut behind, though not locked. You hear the low sounds of what sounds like a child weeping, probably very close to the other side of those doors. Just very low to themselves, you know, that kind of like, can barely catch their breath, kind of semi-panicked weeping. He very slowly cracks the door. Give me a stealth check. Oh, <laughs> natural two. That's going to be rough. All right, that's going to be 15, and I am going to spend a point of inspiration to add a six to that. So 21. You get one of these doors open. Door on the left or the right, your choice. Uh, the, the right door. The right door. Get that right door open, and all you see, so door opens, door opens, your door's starting to open. You just see darkness. Open a little bit more, darkness. Get a little bit more, just enough, enough to get an understanding of what kind of darkness you're looking at. You get the door about halfway open and realize you're looking at essentially a solid wall of blackness devoid of light. So the little yellow rays that are coming through the window and filling this room, just giving you enough kind of shadowy light to see, completely end in a perfectly flat vertical wall of darkness on the inside of this door. Cast magic missile at it. Can I, <laughs> can I make a uh, spellcraft check or an arcana check? I know which one I'd prefer to do, but... <laughs> Give me a knowledge arcana check. I knew you were going to say that. With my minus... Why didn't you just make it? With my minus two to all of my skill checks, that uh. means that my, my... I start with a one. <laughs> oh, an 18. Unknown. Tried. Uh, you can probably use a little bit of meta knowledge and understand you're looking at some spell effect that creates darkness, but <laughs> the specifics of the Is spell. Is there a spell like that? Well, there actually are a few, so. Uh, you should lick the darkness. Lick it. It licks you back. Okay. <laughs> it licks um, you back. And it sounds like the child is crying. So you open the right door. It sounds like the child is crying, like leaning against the wall to the left, the west of the west door. Very close. 
Gull cares about kids. He, he's going to pull his, his dagger, which gives off a glow, and slowly edge it into the darkness to see if anything, if it does anything to that. You lose sight of the dagger and the light it sheds once it clears the threshold of this vertical wall of darkness. You see nothing. He's going to take the dagger back, put it in his, resheathe it, yeah. and then he's going to uh, take out his alchemical torch and uh, step into the room trying to move uh, through darkness and silence. The game master just made the most incredible face. <laughs> Gold cares about kids. Even with his sense of self disappearing, this is like one of the touchstones of who he is. And he thinks that there's a kid in here and he can't just walk away. You cross the threshold of the wall of darkness and you are immediately stripped of any and all ability to see. I don't know if you've ever personally been in like a cave or something. Oh, yeah. Yes, where no, where there's no, no light reaches no you. No light at all, yeah. Like I did that when I was a Boy Scout and... Uh, you know, like slept in one of those, oh. in a, in a, and literally, it is amazing. Like when there's no light, it is the darkest dark I have ever experienced. And it's disorienting at first, yeah, as you have to adjust. You feel to... like you're floating. Yes, yes. Even though your feet are touching the ground, you're like, I have no perspective of where anything is. So you've got that sense of where the floor is. You've got this auditory sense that this child is weeping two squares, so ten feet to the west of you. To the left. Yes, but that's about all you have as you first step in there. So now... I'm gonna place my hand on the wall, or the door, and start to slowly, very slowly move along it. So you're not going to attempt to move faster than half speed. Oh no, I'm still, I, I am assuming that I am terrified out of my mind and just trying to get to this kid and yeah. assuming that there might be something in here that can see me. Yeah. And so I am still trying to hide using my blend ability. And one option you have as a person with the blinded condition is to use a standard action to feel into up to two adjacent squares to determine if there's something or someone in it before you make a move. Yes. Uh, so you want to start off with feeling around yes. to those two squares adjacent to you to the west. Yes, and what, yeah. I, what I feel like I would do is I would probably crouch down very low to yeah. the ground yeah. and like be feeling along the ground. All right, first thing you do is you feel around the square directly to the west of you and the square to the northwest of you. And with that standard action, there's nothing in that square directly to the west of you. That's where the other door is. But as you're feeling around really low like that, you're sensing there's maybe some furniture in that square just to the northwest of you. Mm-hmm. And as you as you run your hands kind of quickly over the edge of it, you you get maybe some, or you're wearing gloves, so this wouldn't happen. So you catch like I've got, jagged, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you catch jagged edges of wood. Like maybe if you didn't have gloves, you might've got a splinter or something, but like smashed up or broken furniture or something. Can't quite place what it is on a first brush through, but you don't sense anything else in those two squares right there. I'm going to take time to uh, feel it, try to figure out what it is before I move further. Give me an intelligence check. Natural 20. Oh, nice. But I still have a minus two to ability checks, so a 21. (laughs) That's fun. Um, I mean, 
It's, it's just how your brain processes. Your brain is a cataloger of information, and it, it, it processes patterns. We've sort of been establishing this with some of these incredible knowledge roles. Well, and also Gull has a 16 intelligence, yeah. which in the real world is way smarter than me. Like it's that's, that's like super smart. So I'm gonna, so with that role, I'm just gonna tell you, it, he puts together in that square just to the northwest of him, uh, it's, it feels like a broken and battered weapons rack. Like maybe something that had once held a whole bunch of, uh, maybe his first thought is tools, no weapons, the height and the wind, but it's been smashed up and doesn't currently have any weapons in it. And you're, since you're so low to the ground, you can also tell that, squ- that square is difficult terrain and a mess of broken wood and stuff. Okay. I will keep moving. So you're going to move into that yep. square to the west yep. of you and then do the same feel around? Yep. Okay. Give me a melee attack roll, just to see how effective you are. Uh, not very effective. Five. Give me one more perception check. 23 or a 24 for traps. Okay, so you're reaching, you're reaching down with your hand. Yep. Right. And you can tell that this is where the sound of weeping child is coming from. And as your hand is moving through this space, you're just because you're, the rest of your senses are alive. You get this this feeling of kind of a a sudden shift, as though somebody sitting there is trying to move out of the way of your hand, and then you get a little spidey sense tingle that it might be moving towards you. Roll initiative. Son of a. That's a fourteen. Roll a ten sider for me. Man. One through five is good for you. All right. Guess what? Not good for me. Got an eight. A tiny little hand, as though a child had ducked under your hand and then reached up to touch your belly. You feel this little hand touch your belly, and you begin to feel all of the oxygen in the room kind of like suck out of you and get expelled out of your lungs. Give me a will save. for trying to save kids. Uh, this might be okay. Let's see here. That's going to be a 16. Do you want to use any shame? Yeah, I think I probably do. Uh, 19. You begin to feel your entire ability to speak or make sound of any sort get absorbed into whatever is touching you, but you fight that effect off. And then... Then you hear a little giggle, and then all goes very silent and still. You are up. What do you want to do next? You can make a perception check as a free action each round in order to get a, a general determination of things are in that direction if they're moving around. So you want to give me that for free? Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I got a three plus six, uh, n- nine. Okay. Okay, unknown. Uh, you, you, you sensed some movement, but you couldn't tell if this child went closer or further or where it went. But this child is not acting like a child at this point. Maybe it had been crying. Now it's giggling a little bit. And it touched you in a way that uh, tried to expel all the oxygen out of your body. Yeah. Gull is going to try to get out of here. Okay. Gull is going to uh, 
So I have not made an attack yet. Correct. So I am still stealthed. Yeah. So I am going to, again, try to blend and move silently and get myself back to the door. So the door is just five feet away from you, and then it would be five more feet to step out. Yep. You could do that entire move in under half speed, which would mean you wouldn't have to be making acrobatics checks or anything like that. Do you want to try to make that kind of move? Yes. Great. Give me uh, a stealth check. Oh, natural 20. All right, excellent. Don't worry about the total. You're good. You managed to back your way out into the day room, and there's just a brief moment of, am I being followed? Do I hear anything? Everything is very silent at the moment, but you have another move action left to you if you want. I will close the door. (laughs) Close the door. (laughs) And it closes up. So, Grip, you see Gulliver draw his alchemical torch, step into this wall of inky blackness, and I want to be clear, too, because you have dark vision and you can see this door, you cannot see anything through this darkness there. He steps into the darkness, and then like 12 seconds later comes backing out of it and shuts the door it all happens very quickly you weren't able to hear anything going on in there but he has reappeared gun in hand and shut the door what does he say he moves himself back over and again sidles into the room and eases the door shut Mm -hmm. and then he shares what he saw in in the closet in the closet yeah I love Uh, you all gathered in the closet I love it uh, tells them what he saw with the three uh, uh, drugged out acolytes in the uh, pharmacy and then says yeah they they were some kind of like creepy goth kid in the the other room I I don't know but it touched me and tried to like suck all the air at me or something I, I don't I don't think we should go in there are you okay? I think so. Does he look okay? Sense motive? Yeah. Eleven. Twenty. Uh, right, up to zero. What am I looking at? It's a, uh, oh, that's an eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a thirteen. It's an eighteen. Oh. So, uh, Grip and Dora don't get much of a read off of him other than, you know, he seems a, a little bit, you know, he's still putting himself together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray, you you see the same thing and you, f- you feel pretty confident that you're looking at Gull and that he's got his wits about him. He may have been rattled a little bit by what he saw, but you don't, you don't catch any sense that he's not himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, he's like, I-, I think we can sneak up and get those guys in the, uh, in the pharmacy. So have we been in here? Have we Do we, we see everything? We know the layout of everything now? Yeah, especially you with your dark vision. You can look out there and, and see see what you see. Is there, like, do we have a way to get in there? Like, is this, this isn't a door, right? This is just a little window. You'd have to uh, make an acrobatics check to squeeze your way through the service window. But that is something that we could do. Or escape artist check. And Gull's, Gull's blend is still going, so he could get in there with his alchemical torch and get close and drop the hammer on somebody other people could run in. I don't have to get in if there's something I can throw that I can see. Do you think we should get into some kind of uh, altercation with these drugged out uh, apostles when there's this (laughs) thing in a wheelchair vomiting a river of blood down the hall? Oh, 
Did you want to deal with that? <laughs> Ray will cast Detect Undead. I also have a campaign trait. What is this campaign trait? It's called True Devotion. Oh, yes. Oh. And once a day, I can attempt to cast a spell without losing the slot. How's that going to go when you just dropped your phylactery down the toilet? <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with it. I never saw a toilet. <laughs> just I covered just in blood and stuff in your pocket. I'm not the one judging you for getting rid of your phylactery. Oh, no, I was not. Johnny the Player is, is, uh, is enjoying this very much. <laughs> Gulliver, the character, is on your side in this. He's like, yeah, you don't need that. Your side? Yeah. All right, so Ray steps up to the doorway to the day room of fun and taps into his power source, his mystery, and opens up his senses to the presence or absence of undead creatures and give me that percentile roll to see if you use this spell slot or not. 20%, right? Yeah. Nope. You lose it? I, I rolled a 65. Ah, okay. All right. So you scan your senses around the room, and you do indeed pick up the presence of a haunt, but not the presence of an undead creature. So what is sitting in that chair and generating all this blood is not registering to your heightened magical senses at the moment beyond being part of this haunt that is in the room. And this is, so remember how I said every single haunt is different? Now this is one of those ones where there's no perception check necessary to see how fast you can react to it because it's always going. So what is happening right now is a haunt. We have already experienced some of the ways that haunts can be put down. There's usually some story-based thing that can happen, or pure positive energy could also mm -hmm. take it down as well. But if there was any concern that that thing in the chair is undead, it is not. And if I direct the cone towards the double doors where Gull was hearing the child's voice and was drawn in... Yeah, they won't go through the wood. Uh, Unless you want to keep it going and have Gull open that door up. Which Gull would certainly be, I mean, he's seen you do this before, so yeah. he could gesture over to the door and be like, you want me to open this thing? All right, so he'll do another, because he's still blending. He's got minutes still. This hasn't taken that long. Do another stealth check. Uh, that's going to be not as great, but maybe. 17. All right, so Ray continues to concentrate, hands extended, Eyes open, staring as he's pointing this cone of detection around. Gull sneaks over to that door, opens it up again, and Ray, you cast your senses into the room. You also can't see past the blackness, but you immediately detect the presence of an undead aura. Do you want to continue to concentrate? Yes. Six seconds later, you're able to determine there is one undead aura of strong strength, which according to game terms would put it somewhere between five and ten hit dice. No. Mm. Oh no. Do you want to continue to concentrate? Oh, no, no. I give Gull a very wide-eyed, serious look <laughs> and gesture with my nose, close the door, close the door. Done and done. <laughs> done and done. Gulp. 
I relay this information. <laughs> we don't know that. We're just chatting in the storage room. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, uh, yeah, I want to communicate oh, and this. As, as the door clicks shut, you hear a little whisper. Where did they go? Where did they go? Is that a sanity <laughs> check? Jesus. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, <laughs> all right, I just want to tell yet. the I want to tell the gang what I discovered and what we're talking about. So, do we think those three people are trapped in that pharmacy between uh, the did, did, window did. they can't get out of and the oh, hey, give me a, in this room? Johnny, give me a, a craft alchemy check. Because you got you got to eyeball the state of the medicine stock in that Ooh, room. Natural twenty. Great. Your sense is the odds of there being anything of use left in there are slim to none. Like you might be able to do a little bit of pillaging. You might come out with like, hey, here's one thing you can use. But in terms of being able to bring back a useful stock, what you're on your initial eyeball, your sense is like this place has been gone over by so many people that there is nothing of use left. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, is that the only place that they told us? This is the pharmacy that Nasa said would be the place where she would... This is where they originally got some medicine, hastily threw it into a box and ran. Uh, this would be the place where medicine was kept. Yeah. Are the apostles in such a state of mind that they might provide us with some information? I mean, if we could talk to them before we killed them? They could talk to you. Because they're like limp and drugged yeah. out and yeah. stuff. They might be like, you know, truth serving. They might be guys. amenable to coercion. Yeah. Gulliver is like basically making a clock motion of like oh, my, oh, my extract. extract is going to run out here very quickly. So we so, should go. Yes, we have, we have examined basically the north half of this room. The south half of this room, if you want to find a way to get around the haunt, does involve a hallway going to the south from where you can see right now into darkness. You can catch the edges of at least one door on the western wall, uh, essentially like, like 20 feet south of where you're currently standing, just on the other side of the Blood River. <laughs> Since we know the haunt is stable, at least wherever it is, whatever it's doing, I suggest we do what Gull was saying. We go in and we deal with the apostles. If we did talk to them, what would we want to ask them? Where could we find more medicine? They're not going to be able to tell you that. They probably don't even know their own name right now. I know it's a running theme with me, but we probably should just put them out of their misery. Good enough for me? How about where Oliver is? They might tell us that. They're fanatics. Even if they're just drugged out out of their minds. Gulliver's blend runs out. Okay. And we certainly know how to speak their language. Praise. (laughs) Well. Oh. The other apostles are still, their bodies are still in the, in the other room, right? Oh, yeah. They have on like their yellow robe stuff that they just tied over their regular clothes, right? They were naked, but yes, they have the yellow robes. Gulliver goes back and you know uh, pilfers those off of how many? How many do we have? Three. One, two, three. Uh, he pilfers them off of uh, them and hands them out to anybody that wants to put one on. Okay. And puts one on. No. I don't want to. No, thank you. I I don't think there's anything to be gained by just pretending to be one. If we're going to kill them, let's kill them and get on with it. Gull cocks his gun (laughs) and starts to walk towards the the open window. Okay. The rest of you following? Yes. Yes. Everybody give me stealth checks. 
Natural one. <laughs> also a natural one. Thirteen. Eight. Nice. Triumph of the new dice. That's for a negative one total, by the way. Oh, I got it. I got you. I got you. Uh, it's almost like uh, with Ray, like you said they were drugged. I'm not even concerned. You're not even trying. <laughs> I'm not even trying. Like, yeah. That is what it's like. Yeah, and you're like, wearing <laughs> fucking chain mail. Chink. And chink. Dora, Dora chink, is following chink. along behind them going, shh, shh, very loudly. I'm talking to Reynard. <laughs> yes, Reynard, it would be a great adventure. <laughs> so Gull leads. We'll kill some fanatics. Grip follows, Ray follows, Dora's in the back. Dora, you are the first one to hear from the south oh, no. this shout of meat. And you see oh. dimly moving shapes heading up the hallway from the south as Gull inside the window at the sound of that cry of meat. These kind of drugged out apostles look up and we're in the middle of a combat that we'll pick up next session at the oh, end no. of chapter 23. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. Fantastic. Did we level? <laughs> <laughs>